If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Before we jump into today's episode, we're going to take a quick break here from the sponsor of the show and we'll be right back. If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. You've heard me talk about the opportunity in urgent care. So VetCheck believes in the power of your capacity to influence your patients, patient families, and be a leader in your community. How they do this is by giving you the freedom to take ownership of your future to make the biggest impact in your patients' lives. They equip you with a turnkey opportunity to take action on the dream through a unique pathway to owning your own VetCheck Pet Urgent Care Center franchise. They provide a solution to remove obstacles like competing against corporate dollars in the community that you want to be in and having access to a hospital ownership, medical directorship, and more. Also, you become a partner along the journey. A vet check pet urgent care center franchise is the answer. If you're interested, check out episode number 80, where I talked to Dr. Siva and he shares more about his story and the opportunity. So if this sounds like something that's interesting to you, reach out and learn how you can own your own vet check pet urgent care center franchise today by visiting vetcheckforpets.com, which again is vetcheckforpets.com. Hi, everyone. This episode's coming in a little later than normal. Thanks for patience on that. My wife and I just um, had our son late last month, and um, yeah, I had a handful of episodes I had queued up, pre-recorded, but wanted to certainly get out this show and am recording it and releasing it right away because of recent events and different things going on I felt it was really, really important to share with you all. First and foremost, like the Russia and Ukraine situation is extremely sad and many innocent people trying to live life and make ends meet and just live are getting caught in the middle. I think you can absolutely condemn the Russian government actions without discriminating against Russian people. I fear as a country, we are starting to punish and look at people that are you know, of Russian descent in a way that doesn't make any sense at all. And I don't support the aggression that you know the government has and a lot of Russians don't either. And I don't think we need to necessarily discriminate those that are, you know, of Russian descent that are saying, hey, I don't agree with this either. either. And I think there's uh, some slippery slopes and some different things there that are dangerous that I've seen through social media recently that I don't like. And I think we all need to be cognizant of that. One really interesting, surprisingly cool um, thing to see is like the global, global crypto. And I hate saying crypto, you know, it's Bitcoin, not crypto. Um, movement has really been interesting where it's truly been a broad-based kind of rally around and support and raise money for Ukraine. There's been something raised in the, the magnitude of 50 to $60 million. Um, 
And that's actually more than what the UN has pledged at aid for Ukraine. So I think that's tremendous and really cool. And it's truly amazing what you can do when you can freely send value to others across the globe without permission, without the traditional system. So with that being said, Bitcoin specifically is um, censorship resistant. And I do think we will likely see it be used by friends and foes. So don't fall for any negativity. If you do suddenly see Russia adopt Bitcoin as an asset to sell oil and energy and, and get around these different sanctions, I think the press in the States here would definitely paint this as a negative. You'd hear a lot of bad talk about how horrible it is. Um, it truly is a testament, though, that Bitcoin is apolitical. It's math and code. It doesn't care where you're from, who you are, what sex, faith, creed, gender, um, all that stuff, right? Bitcoin absolutely will be used by Russians and others that you might not like. Um, this should be applauded, not condemned. That's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Another thing that I've harped on, and I'm not going to make this a Bitcoin podcast. You've heard me talk about it before. But Bitcoin is the only decentralized system. I recently recorded an episode that was a deep dive with a veterinary project podcast with Jonathan and Michael. Um, I highly recommend that you go check that out. I've shared it to uh, the Facebook group, so you can see it there. But just search for the veterinary project podcast. You'll see the recent episode they recorded. And I mentioned it several times in that episode in that Bitcoin is the only decentralized system and that gives it all the value and a lot of the value. Well, this past week we saw MetaMask and OpenSea. So MetaMask being a... Um, tool that a lot of people use for what is considered DeFi and getting into those different applications and OpenSea being mainly the big NFT provider that's out there, banned IP addresses from Iran and MetaMask and Infura, which Infura is widely known as an operator and infrastructure provider within the uh, Ethereum ecosystem, censored and banned Venezuelans citing jurisdiction issues and laws. If these are truly decentralized financial systems, that should be impossible. But the kicker is they're not. And a lot of this kind of decentralized finance thing, it's just companies they are just businesses and they have founders they have you know investors they have different people they have to answer to so they are not decentralized and so again bitcoin being decentralized means you cannot control it where and how it's used and i however don't want this to be all about bitcoin but again thinking about the impacts of the russian ukraine system situation i think this is going to be, continue to be a bigger and bigger story that you're going to hear more about it over time and first um, as we get into kind of the specifics around Russia and Ukraine, we're entering a massive shift and change in the world. And so Luke Groman, most people on this podcast are not going to be familiar with him. He's a really great kind of macroeconomic thinker and investor, puts out really good content. I've enjoyed Luke's work for a while. He's been very spot on. I think he's very balanced in his view uh, of just the world and where things are. He was recently on the Bitcoin Fundamentals podcast, which I've highly, highly recommended and talking with Preston Pish. For those interested, it's going to be in the show notes. He also did another episode with um, uh, RCM Alternatives, which is really nitty gritty, but it's excellent. Um, I think the one with Preston on the Bitcoin podcast is, is excellent. But he, early on in the podcast, says something that is so profound that I wanted to kind of take his words and share them with you. And he says, I think that 40 years of globalization, 40 years of disinflation, 40-year bond bull market on a real basis, so after inflation and all that stuff, died on Wednesday night. So he's talking about basically the invasion into Ukraine. And I think the multi-currency, multi-polar world featuring multi-currency energy pricing, multi-currency reserves, gold reserves, I think that system, the world was likely fully born Wednesday night. And so what he's talking about the end in layman's terms is Russia's actions, while terrible and war has no winners, is pushing the world into a new paradigm that is going to fundamentally shift how things are done. Oil has been priced and sold in U.S. dollars since the 1970s, and that is changing. That is massive. 
Previously, any attempt to do that has been met with strong reactions from the U.S. and our military. There's a lot, there's a big tangent that we go into there, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. If you're interested in it, I will link in the show notes to a um, 30 minute YouTube document called the Petrodollar, which talks about how um, the U.S. dollar was so tied to oil production. It's really, really interesting. And if you want to nerd out on that, I'd highly encourage it. But for this podcast, we'll leave it be. Um, the world might not run on U.S. dollars anymore. And we are used to that as American citizens that the dollar runs the world. That is changing or possibly changing, right? We don't know for sure. But you cannot state how big that is. The global reserve currency, so you hear that term a lot, has been the U.S. dollar. That could be changing. And what you've seen is oil has been absolutely on a tear. And if you filled up your vehicle recently, you know that it's getting more expensive. And as I'm recording this Sunday, March 6th, it's projected to be up another 7% in the morning. So we're hitting highs that we haven't seen in a long time. The U.S. imports about 10% of our crude oil from Russia. And even with all the financial sanctions, we still are doing this as of now. There's been talk of possibly including those sanctions in, in, in the um, you know, kind of financial sanctions that have been done. But as of now, it's been excluded the same with the EU. The EU gets a ton of their natural gas and oil from Russia. So for them, it'd be really, really difficult. For us, it'd be hard, but it's not impossible to do. Again, it has to be unilateral from that standpoint because it wouldn't necessarily cripple Russia if we um, just did it in the European Union or the EU continue to um, bring in that, that natural gas and oil. But Biden and the administration are between a rock and a hard place. Ban Russian oil and see gas and energy prices in the United States you know, go higher, maybe hit all-time highs with where they are and inflation going higher and higher or do we continue to downplay it and pay for russian um, imports who might um, decide that they want to be paid in something other than the u.s dollar russia could say hey you know if you want our oil you have to pay us in gold or you have to pay us in a digital um, yuan which it would be the kind of the partnership with china and one thing that we've seen is there's two countries that have continued to stockpile gold over the last five years the two biggest players that have done this are russia and china and so the reason that's really really important is russia and china are still very much um buddy buddy in the whole situation right now and there's obviously massive demand from china for energy and russia can still get around a lot of sanctions by selling into that now russia is in a terrible spot right now with you know all kinds of companies pulling um, their products you can't use things in russia if you're a russian citizen it's terrible like it's trying to cripple the Russian government, but it's also impacting hurting a lot of innocent Russians that don't want any part of this. And again, going back to kind of what I started with, there's a lot of things going on that we need to be careful of condemning everything going on because there are a lot of innocent people getting caught in the crossfires. The other thing, wheat, almost half the world's supply comes from Ukraine and Russia. And it's hit basically the limit increase when it trades um, in the markets every day last week. So we actually don't know what the pricing is going to be because it hits the upper limit and it just caps it. And so that's going to impact a lot of the food that we consume. Fertilizers for farming is going to continue to impact and increase, and that'll flow through to consumers, to you and I, as we you know consume the food products that we consume. Russia is the second largest producer of ammonia, which is used on you know all kinds of farming. Um, urea, potash, and they're the fifth um, largest producer of processed phosphates. So the country accounts for 23% of global ammonia for the world, 14% of urea. 21% for potash and 10% uh, processed phosphates. That is massive for fertilizer. That is massive for so many different industries that need that. And the EU, so the European Union and the US are not necessarily the most healthy economic um, countries and, and um, unions right now because they're coming out of, we're coming out of COVID, right? So the United States is spending 65% of our tax receipts on two 
entitlements, Social Security and Medicare. So 65% of all the, the tax dollars that the U.S. government receives goes back out the door into those two things. Our debt to GDP is 124%. And what that means is we're spending more than what we're making. And 50 out of 51 countries that have hit um, debt to GDP of 130 have defaulted or went bankrupt. If we were a household, if I had to describe it simply, if we're a household, we have all our credit cards on max and we are making minimum payments and trying to play credit card roulette to get through month to month. Like we're in a tricky, tricky spot where it is, you know, for us to run the economy without a major recession, we're going to have to have more stimulus and more monetary creation, which will create more inflation. And that really just means the value of the stuff that we want to have or consume is going to increase in cost. So housing, cars, food, travel, healthcare, education, or we enter into a painful recession. It's going to feel, you know, like 2008-esque and it's an environment where things just go bust. Stimulus is likely the more palatable way that everything goes. It's easier to, to kind of walk through that than this kind of broad-based economic collapse. So higher inflation is likely here and going to stay and most likely get worse. And that sucks, right? Both scenarios stink. It's a very technical term, but eventually, you know, things have to come home to roost and a recession depression scenario where we see, you know, a bad situation happens, or we're going to see this crazy, horrible, like hyperinflation where things get so expensive and move so fast that it, it is equally as devastating. And that is horrible for everyone. Again, it's not fun to say that, but we're kind of between a rock and a hard place. There's not really any other answers. And so it's a tough path. And I don't want to be a doom and gloomer because I am super optimistic about the future. When I talk to my brothers, they're always like, man, you're so negative. And I'm like, I'm really not negative. I'm just trying to be a realist with where things are. But I do think we have a golden opportunity to create a world and a system that will live in for the next 80 to 100 years by the end of the decade. I can't stress how hard it might be between now and then, how challenging, how bumpy it's going to be. But I think if we promise I'm building for a better future and dealing with these issues head on and saying, okay, this is an issue. Let's not kick the can down the road anymore. What can we be doing? And I think that's where I want to spend the rest of the time in this, this podcast is what are the actions that you should take? What are actionable things? And these are not all just investment related, but just like as a human, what can I be doing for my family or for myself? So first, and I've talked about this kind of in the, the 2022 um, kind of action items about health and wellness and eating, like I would suggest get your protein ordered from a local farmer or rancher. If you're consuming animal protein, order that half or quarter cow, get that half hog, whole hog, you know, order chicken, get your lamb, whatever it is that you eat, get food security, get that protein ordered, get a deep freeze and get that stuff ordered. Both beef and pork last year were high teens to low 20s as far as increases. And I can tell you right now, it's not going to stop. They're not going to come back down in pricing. With everything we just outlined above, it's going to go up in price. Order in bulk and freeze it. Also, it's going to be much healthier for you to own grass-fed and locally sourced. Um, two good things that I've linked to in the show notes, the Beef Initiative and Eat Wild. Um, those are great places to search for who's local around you. How do I find those people? I know it can be intimidating. Shoot, you could just Google locally grown Pasture raised, insert protein of your choice, beef, chicken, pork, lamb, etc. Um, if you can stock up on other canned or non-perishable items, I would. I think a deep freeze again is a great purchase if you don't have one. Um, veggies, rice, beans, all these things. I know it sounds like a doomsday prepper. I'm not trying to say you need to, to you know buy and store for years and years, but getting the necessities that if there is shortages, there's challenges in supply chains and all these different things, because that likely is going to continue to plague us, if not get worse. Um, if you have a grill, get extra propane, get things that you can make sure that you can cook and provide for, you know, 
people around you as well. So just try to stock up on as much of that stuff as you can. I think from an investment strategy, obviously I can't tell you in a podcast format, Hey, this is exactly what to own. Um, you know, that's what I do from a day-to-day perspective and that's, you know, the laws and regulations around that. So if you have questions, always reach out. Vince here is happy to help, but I can provide you high levels and thought like high level ideas and thoughts. A, review what you own and understand it. Are you only a U.S. stock investor? I cannot tell you how many people I talk to. C, that are you know the average investor, which owns 75% of their portfolio in U.S. companies, and they're large U.S. companies. If you have options in your 401k, look through those. A lot of times it is tricky because you can really only own what they give you. Um, see if there's any funds with commodity. So commodities being uh, you know, precious metals, um, things like copper, um, you know, oil, um, natural gas, different like things that go into other items that we make and consume. So think about commodities and energy. If you have anything that's sector focused or a real asset or anything like that, that's listed as a fund, look for, does it have commodity or energy exposure? I think those will do really well. They've done fantastic to start the year. Um, they will continue to do fantastic because like I said, as I'm recording this oil is projected in the morning to trade up again, another 7%, which is wild to see that. We're already at highs that we haven't seen for the past 15 years. Does this change? Does this adjust? I, you don't know, but I think commodities and energy, most investors have little to no exposure because a lot of the energy names that were in the S&P 500, which are in a lot of the index funds have been kicked out, moved out and replaced. So great example, ExxonMobil, big energy company was replaced by Salesforce in the S&P 500 and, or no, maybe it's the Dow. I'm, I'm, misremembering a little bit, but the story, if you look at it, when it was replaced, the uh, Salesforce has done terrible. I think it's down like 35%. ExxonMobil, it's almost the exact opposite up like 30 or 40%. So there's like a 70% difference if you would have owned what got kicked out and what got added. So same idea of things that have been unloved for a while are doing really well in, in a world where energy is going to be hard to get something to certainly own. If you have an IRA or Roth IRA, look at ETFs with um, you know commodities or energy tilts. Those are great. You can look at tactical ETFs that are going to be flexible to own U.S. foreign stocks, bonds, commodities, currencies, and make money really independent of the, the U.S. stock market. So you could search tactical ETFs. Look for things that will help complement and provide broad exposure. I've talked about it individually with a lot of people that manage futures. So just being able to own things that make money going long or short. So if something goes up in value, makes money. If it goes down in value, they can make money there. Managed Futures provides broad diversification. It's one of the best compliments you can have to U.S. stocks when and if they go into a bear market, which is if they're down 20% or more. So from the high, the market goes down 20%. All hell's breaking loose. People are worried, nervous. Managed Futures do awesome in those environments. So it's a great natural compliment. And it's going to own things like stock, bond, currency, commodities, and future contracts. So things in the future, it's pricing it. So you think about hedgers or different people that are trying to, you know, fix costs. So it could be companies that are trying to, to figure out, okay, what's my inputs going to be for certain things. That is kind of where the managed futures funds will play. They're going to go out and own things that you would not be able to own otherwise. So, you know, they're going to make money when oil's going up. Yep. Wheat. Yep. Um, you know, coffee. Yep. Um, you know, bonds are doing bad. Oh, it can make money on that. Oh, um, you know, the Russian rubles collapsing. Okay. Oh, make money on that. So there's all kinds of different ways where managed futures can help be a benefit. And it's a great diversifier. It's highly, highly misunderstood. It can be a great option that allows you to navigate really a wild and uncertain world, which we're in. So if you don't know, Hey, is the market going to up, down sideways, um, managed futures do really well with trends. And so if you see a strong trend, like we're seeing in commodities and energy, it's going to make money. 
If you look at year-to-date returns, it's been positive. It's, some of them are up 12, 15% where the market S&P is down you know, close to 10. Um, and it's been positive year over year. So one year returns higher than the S&P. It's done well. It's a natural complement. So a lot of times I'll talk about investing in like ingredients. So I'll explain like chocolate chip cookies or salsa and you put all these different ingredients in it, right? Managed futures is just one of those ingredients that can help enhance the flavor or enhance returns or protect from the oh crap moments, right? That's what they do. And so all these different ideas, these are tweaks. These are not something you need to make a wholesale change and sell all the stock exposure that you have. You should absolutely own U.S. stock exposure. I'm not telling you to not own that. These are ideas that you can make tweaks. So, hey, maybe I'm going to make 20% of my portfolio make these changes or 25. Maybe you want to make up to 50. I can't tell you exactly what to do. But what I would tell you is don't sell everything or make a wholesale change. Make changes on the margins. Understand what you own. Do some research. There are some ideas. So the idea is to look at energy and commodities, tactical style of ETFs. So tactical being able to be flexible and manage futures. Those are things I would look at as far as making changes. Lastly, the U.S. and the EU did something um, last weekend, and they sanctioned the Russian central bank foreign reserves. So basically the dollars and euros that the Russian central bank had earned, these surpluses through trade over the years, decades, were seized. They were frozen by the sanctions, and this is really unprecedented. So Luke Groman talked about this, and historically these reserves have kind of enjoyed this sovereign immunity where they've never been able to be touched. It's kind of been respected that you just don't do that. Um, We've done that now along with the European Union. And we basically weaponized the financial system against Russia. And what that's going to do is that's going to open the eyes to a lot of other countries in the world to say, oh, if we piss off the U.S. or we piss off the EU, they're going to freeze our assets. So we need to have things that can't be frozen. The Wall Street Journal ran an article recently, if Russia currency reserves aren't really money, the world is in for a shock. And it outlines this idea. That's in the Wall Street Journal. The crux of the issue is if assets or foreign currencies can be seized, um, so can your money and mine in the banking system. And I think we saw that recently in Canada for those that maybe donated to the protests, regardless of what you think of whether that's right or wrong, does not matter. There were people that donated $50 that were not involved, did not show up to Ottawa, did not do anything. And they had their bank accounts frozen, their investment accounts frozen, everything. They could not access anything. Credit cards, debit cards, everything was frozen. That is absolutely insane. Now, they've since been unfrozen, but the lesson learned there is that you truly don't own assets if they can be taken away from you that quickly. And you know what I'm about to say, right? Everyone that's listening to this podcast knows what I'm about to tell you that you need to own, and that's Bitcoin. It's the asset that is censorship resistant and is much more seizorship resistant as well when you take self-custody. And remember, you can't go to Coinbase and buy it and hold it at Coinbase and be like, hey, I have Bitcoin, I'm protected. No, because Coinbase with pressure from the government or anyone else can lock to where you can't move those funds. So it's the exact same thing. Self-custody is super important. And I'm going to link to an article. And again, I don't want you to go buying Coinbase. Uh, I always recommend Swan. I think Swan is a great resource. You can dollar cost average. Um, There's a show link in the show notes, gets you $10, all that stuff, right? That's the place that I would highly encourage you to check out. And as far as the allocation to Bitcoin, it's going to be completely up to you. Again, I can't make that recommendation because I don't know, but I'm telling you it is worth understanding why you want to own it. And I think what we're seeing play out on a global scale of assets of nation states getting frozen that have been able to freely flow for decades, even when there's been hostility between the U.S. and Russia, it's kind of always been the frosty relationship. They've never frozen the assets until now.
that should wake you up and say, you know what? I might need something that can't be frozen. And I would highly, highly encourage you to check out Bitcoin. You know, I've talked about it at nauseum on this podcast. Um, there's lots of good resources. You can always reach out to me, whether it is on LinkedIn, whether it is at Instagram or within the Facebook group um, and ask questions because I want you to understand it because I think it's that important. So in summary, I record these shows as I'm able to share kind of, hey, what I'm seeing and, and say, hey, what's on my heart? What do I want to make sure that you get across? I don't know everyone that listens to the show. I'm always flattered when I have people that tell me, hey, listen to the show. It's really great. Or I really enjoyed this podcast or this interview. I've been blessed with awesome guests. What I want to be able to do is provide value and insights that maybe you don't get elsewhere. So my goal is not to scare you, but it is to prepare you and allow you to think about, okay, as I move forward in the coming months, what are small things that I can do to protect myself, to be in a good spot so I'm not caught off guard or surprised? And so for me, it's how can you make sure from an employment standpoint, if you're within vet med, you're in a great spot. You have a really rock solid employment perspective. So we, we can cross that one off the list. Your income is safe. Veterinary medicine is very, very, you know, economically, um, resilient to where you're not gonna have to worry like, Oh, I'm not going to have an income anymore. We know that you're all in crazy, crazy, crazy need. So that's awesome. Then it is looking at, okay, what's my food source. And that's where I'm going back to the protein and if you don't eat meat, okay, find ways of frozen things, anything that you can do to kind of stock up to make sure that you are in a good spot where you have a little bit more excess. So think about that emergency fund and maybe the, the dollars and cents that you hold. Think about the emergency fund and just food. Just have more than just saying, hey, I have my normal you know, week or two week of, of rations from that standpoint. Um, then think about how am I invested? What am I doing to make sure that I can navigate through this situation? Because I think it will be dicey. Uh, I want you to go through and understand eyes wide open what's going on, but understand, yeah, it might be dicey. It might get rough and it might be something that's not fun to go through. Um, I, it, I don't want some of the things I'm talking about to happen, right? Like it's been a really, um, good ride for a lot of things that we've been very blessed and fortunate as us citizens, where it might get choppier. It might be a little bit more challenging for us. We will be fine. Right. But let's not be naive to the fact that it can get hard and it likely will. Like th there's a lot of stuff. We could be in a much worse situation. We could be in uh, like Ukraine, right? We could have um, family members, you know, on the front lines. We could have our homes being bombed, right? Like we have so many things to be very, very fortunate about. And I think about this and I've reflected on this recently, obviously with having some downtime, having more time with family, like we are super blessed here in the United States but it, it might not be easy um, in the coming months, years, but we have an awesome opportunity ahead of us to rebuild and make sure that the future is built on a good foundation for so many beautiful things in the future. So with that, I hope this is impactful. I would love feedback on if this was helpful. Um, again, I don't want to scare you to death. I just want you to, to understand kind of where things are, high level situation going on, how it impacts you. Because again, I know from a humanitarian standpoint, it's sad, it's frustrating. Um, you know, I, I get that and it's hard, but personally, I think it's going to impact you more than maybe what you, you understand at the moment. So that's the idea behind the episode. Appreciate it. Take care until next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment tax or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, 
please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review that'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.